0: that's also something that I recently needed to do, like completely new team. And then it's hard to pass culture, like how you teach t- culture, how you pass culture, in my yes. opinion, is, is trying to create environment, start with team agreement, how we operate and what we do, how we do. And then that helps with team dynamic. Again, like we start with blank uh, paper with mission and a company mission
1: You are listening to the Align Remotely podcast, the show dedicated to helping you lead distributed teams under difficult circumstances. I am the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade. As a practitioner, I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment, and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working from home gear sorted. Today on the podcast, we have Piotr Zagurowski, who's a manager at OpenDNS, which is a subsidiary of Cisco's, used to be a, its own startup, and he was at Cisco before that. He's managed a remote team for roughly four years, and it is really useful to get his take on uh, what he calls team agreements as a way to kick off remote work. I think these can be done at any point, but it just makes certain things explicit to establish a culture or at least start a conversation about it in a way that is productive and helpful for everyone involved on the team. So while he's doing this within IT, I think the essence of it could potentially apply to any industry and it doesn't even necessarily need to be for remote In fact, I think his original team agreements were largely done in person originally. However, I think it's a really useful tactic in terms of establishing the right context for remote work to happen for everyone. And without further ado, here's Piotr. Piotr, welcome to the Align Remotely podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about your interest in in the topic of working remotely?
0: Yes, sure. Welcome, everyone. So I'll start with introducing myself. So I'm Piotr Zagrowski. I am happy husband and dad of two small troopers, although they're not so small anymore. Professionally, I refer to myself as people engineer rather, because I used to be network engineer for a long time, primarily working from office, partially in Poland, and I migrated to UK in 2005. And then I stepped into the leadership position and then I still implement some, something that I learned to be engineer with people.
1: Cause you've been with Cisco for a while, right?
0: Correct. It's been probably 13 years now. So I'm a dinosaur (laughs) 2016 or 17. Okay. uh, So we decided that uh, we'll create a new team. Then to basically attract the pool of good candidates, we decided to go full remote. It was interesting experience in the beginning because I used to work in office primarily for a long time. But then part of my leadership was actually in Canada, in Vancouver. And as I mentioned, this new team started to work completely remotely. And then this journey began <laughs> also because I needed to shift time because a lot of my people and my, my manager and all headquarters was in Vancouver as I mentioned. So if we want to stick to just office hours, nine to five, <laughs> I would have probably 30 minutes <laughs> with all of these people. So it made sense to implement different approach, I would say. right? Sure.
1: Sure. So what do you mean by a different approach?
0: First of all, I think it's totally different when you have team and you sit in one room. Some stuff is obvious. Whatever you do, you just do with team. Uh, You go for lunch, you go for coffee, you have uh, water cooler conversations and everything. And pretty much everyone is up to date and knows what's going on, etc. If you are working from home, even on the same time zone, um, you have conversation, you and me, and then the rest of the team doesn't know what what to do Hmm. or what we're talking about, what decisions are made. Communication is the key and you need to change your communication habits and uh, establish it uh, probably in the very beginning with like team formation. I'm big fan of something that is called team agreements, which is basically you agree on how you work and what's important for your team. Mm-hmm. And part of the team agreements should be how we communicate asynchronously uh, working from home. And then another bit, if you work from home in different with different time zones, it's you have to be flexible and you have to basically. Implement asynchronous work, meaning that you just do some tasks in your own time and then agree on how you update and how you make sure that team knows what you've been doing, what's the progress, what's next steps are, etc. And that, that allows to shift time as well. Like I, I shifting my time pretty much every day, except Fridays actually. <laughs> uh, I just need to sync with, with with too many people <laughs> with too too many time zones. So in a nutshell, it's communication, mm. shifting time to be able to meet with other people and learn and implement asynchronous work.
1: For for the people who are listening to the podcast who aren't really coming from an IT background, what exactly do you mean by synchronous and asynchronous?
0: Yeah, so I I can compare it to basically being in cinema, let's say, and watching Netflix. So if you go to cinema, your movie is at 6 p.m., whatever time, and it's synchronous. Like you just go there and everyone is there. You're watching together, you discuss together, you go home. Uh, for asynchronous work, you're just watching Netflix, <laughs> and you discuss in your, with your own, in your own time, and then you discuss with everyone who wants to be uh, part of the discussion, etc. And converting this to to work situation, there are few types of tasks or, or work that you can do. You obviously need to sync with your team, uh, especially if you're in leadership position, there's a lot of one-to-ones and there's still time that you want to meet and, and basically talk synchronously. So you just on one meeting or something that in the uh, IT industry is called pair programming or just pairing. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be programming, You basically sharing your screen. Uh, one person is typing and then we work on task and then we time box it i type or i do some stuff for 10 minutes or 15 minutes then we sw- we swap and you are doing it i'm a big fan of it especially when there is uh, no aspect of knowledge transfer and in in general if you are, if you are pairing like both people know and there is a very short like feedback loop and, you know, we can make decisions, we can learn even stuff like a very trivial stuff, shortcuts on keyboard or whatever. You just yeah. do some stuff and, and we're sharing together. That's synchronous work. Like we work together in one time, one time zone, possibly, or, uh, somewhere in the time that it's agreed because one person shifts, shifts the time and the other person joins and we work. And then other type of tasks is that it can be done anytime by just one person. Especially now with COVID and and all of this uh, stuff that is happening, kids at home, etc. Some people work super early, uh, some people work super late. And there is set of tasks that you can totally do it in your own uh, time. Just you need to agree with your team again, probably during team agreement or some form of agreement. Like what are those tasks that you can do on your own, how to update on progress with your team manager and, and, and stuff like this, how to facilitate feedback for your work because that's important. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how we sync actually after sync <laughs> to <think>. sync, <So> probably <laughs> uh, stand up or any other like you know, written uh, communication. And I would say, yes, written communication is the key because you can do your work asynchronously, then you can comment or write up what you have done and what needs to be done, what next steps are, and what needs to happen. And I would just say this is similar to like goal settings. This has to be very specific. So there are a few acronyms like SMART and KEYS, keep it simple, uh, keep it actionable, et cetera. So the, the less going forth, it's better basically so in a remote work environment you have to basically be a good writer a better writer to make sure your team is up to date
1: so it's almost like you set small goals that you agree together and then the person goes off and does it and then comes back
0: totally totally yes that's why i think the good like task definition is already fifty percent of success, and then task execution and then task handover or or basically discussing and and facilitating feedback that makes workflow flow because otherwise, like we can spend two days on agreeing like what we are trying to achieve here and who is doing what, etc. if you do it in in very like precise manner from the very beginning is just things that needs to be done and then feedback and then next basically.
1: So this is for an individual, but then I guess the interesting question is when you have a group of people, how do these things come together? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. All of these little goals that are, go out into the world and then come back.
0: Started from, from the bottom, but to discuss team engagement and teamwork we need to like very high up (laughs) in in hierarchy to do this i believe you need to define your mission first as as a company as a group or as a team and then you need to define something i called commander intent Uh, so we know what needs to be done then we know why this needs to be done it's super important and then we need to know how to do these things and who is doing what. Next step is probably uh decentralized command. If I am tasking some of my teammates to do something, I don't want to task, like, I don't want to write 100 tasks for them. I just want to give them the mission. This data center needs to be built by end of this quarter and just go and execute. So Figure that's, it out. that's a mission that I believe my people can do it and then they know how to do it because we spend already some time, they are trained. And then, you know, they narrow down the tasks. Okay, if the data needs to be done to certain standard, we need to have the standards properly written down. We know what tasks are and then we know who can do what because we already predefined a uh, set of tasks that needs to be completed. So then you just go and check uh, certain milestones. Uh, But to sum up, for team to be efficient in remote environment, you just need to define your mission and your why uh, you're Mm -hmm. doing certain stuff and, you know, believe and trust people that they do work better than you uh, and they know what to do. Obviously, if they don't, we can sync and clarify stuff.
1: Let's go there a little bit. What if you have... Someone who's struggling, but doesn't feel Mm -hmm. comfortable raising the fact that they're having issues. How does that work in your experience?
0: So that again, like my read for this is pairing from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if you have no idea what you're doing, (laughs) but you are with me and you are sharing your screen, I just very slowly tell you step-by-step what to do, where to click, where to find information. In the very beginning it's awkward and it's super slow, but Mm. then there is muscle memory when you know where to click, what to do, and you basically learn quicker, faster, obviously performance (laughs) issues still are possible. So you just need to understand like why this person is struggling, what's the underlying issue and how we can help this no. person to basically progress.
1: One thing that's come up in the, in the previous episodes is the fact that leaders are used to having everyone on site so they know when people are in and oh, when yeah. they're on vacation and it's, it's very different, for example, during Christmas time when everybody's away versus in the summer when people are in and out. How does availability work in a remote environment for you? Do you do you track it? Do you not track it? What's your approach there?
0: That's a bigger topic there, like deeper topic there, because there's trust versus control. I think we still follow a uh, 19th century factory type of arrangements when it comes to work. Staff needs to be controlled in factory and people are probably the weakest links. So they need to be controlled even more. And I think with a lot of companies, a lot of leaders still follow this kind of uh, mentality, I would say. And Poland is probably uh, quite famous from it. I don't know. maybe stuff changed, but when I remember working in Poland, it was very much control kind of thing. yeah, on the other you know side of spectrum is trust. Like I hire you to do work and for you to grow and basically our path align and then you have your agenda, I have my agenda, but at some point we just align and there's big overlap or should be big overlap. I can provide something that is good for you, you can provide something that's good for me, we align and we just work together. And that's trust that you will do uh, this to best of your ability and then you will inform me if anything changes and vice versa. I provide you with everything that you need and it should be the same for in office or no office (laughs) arrangement, Hmm. Uh, but sometimes it's not. If you're used to controlling people, you will basically be lost. uh, If you're just sitting in front of your computer in your home office and you don't see anyone and then you don't know either working or they're not working like what they're doing and are they available they're stepping down etc so i think important thing is to have this team agreement and this shift in mindset that people are working people are productive they want to do their job and then it's up to you as a leader to just make sure that we have uh, certain controls in place to make sure that we update each other, you know, job is done, feedback is facilitated and all projects are basically progressed. Technically how we try to do it, obviously there is holidays and and a lot lot of things that that are normal, but there is also like small things. I need to drop my key to whatever doctor or school or, or whatever it takes or just need to go to dentist, and it's not whole day, but just maybe one hour, two hours so we technically try to experiment with just extra calendar, which just shared calendar, and people just put stuff there so if you're a one week holiday, you put there it's like Piot on holiday, not available If this is just like ninety minutes here and there, you also put it as just event like Piot away from away from computer and that's pretty much it. If you so, do it, if you do it right, you can see who is off, who is not off, and you can plan accordingly.
1: Is that like a shared Outlook calendar? Is that Microsoft Planner or some other tool?
0: We use Outlook like Office three sixty five, and it's just extra shared calendar. So everyone has obviously a calendar and everything, but that extra shared calendar that certain people have access to, because if you have seven countries, like in my case, that's a lot to synchronize in terms of even trivial things like state holidays.
1: Yeah, I I know (laughs) the same experience. I wanted to get it a little bit more into the team agreements, like in practice, how do you do it? How do you recommend people do it if they're doing it for the first time? Mm Where do you store it?
0: I can refer to one of my recent blog posts I wrote about it. As far as I know, there is no any official guidance or anything. The team agreement is just agreement that everyone should participate. So there is a few rules that I would say I would follow. First of all, it's all of us participating in it. Then if what do you mean by participating?
1: Does it have to uh, be in person?
0: Ideally, yes, especially during this off site, let's let's say. But this so does workshop format. Do yeah, yeah. Workshop format. If it's if it's off no, no, no offline, virtual, let's call it. One person is sharing doc, whether it's Google Doc, or Dropbox Paper or whatever shareable doc. So one person is driving. And everyone is on the same call by everyone this team, because this, that's, that's team agreement. One caveat here, it's like functional team agreement. Like you may have nine people in your team, but mm. then you, uh, you start new project, which is like a long lasting project or something like this with just four people. I would recommend having extra team agreement for these four people for the length of, of the project.
1: So, would that be an addendum to the main one or...? No, no. it is will it... be
0: separate, completely separate with, right. with people okay. who are involved in this particular activity. But usually okay. it's just a team. You have different functions, they have teams taking care of products or whatever you do. And mm. then it's a team that basically meet and agree on certain things. And then what we agree upon is again up to team. It shouldn't be too specific. Let's agree that we use Trello for this and we use JIRA for this. That could be part of team agreement, but what if we if we experiment and, and change it in a week, we need to change our team agreements. I think better paragraph or, or part of bullet point in agreement would be that we try to experiment with our tools to find something that works for us the best in certain contexts. So, That's probably more like it's vague enough that it's there and and everyone agrees. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then as I mentioned uh, previously, I think it's good to assume certain things like everyone is coming from good place. That's always good to assume. That's about trust. There could be something about time zones and respecting our time, being punctual. That few things I say. So everyone participates, everyone has uh, equal say equal input, even if it's manager or senior architect, we try to maintain quite flat structure of the team. Everyone has equal size, everyone is equal. And then a few things that will organize our work and basically make sure that we work efficiently together
1: how do you know that everyone's bought into it? The potential trap here is you, you create a, a document that looks very nice The the manager and <laughs> the architect yeah, yeah, agree on. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Good question. Not necessarily with my team, but the peer team, I would say, there was one person who was not bought at all to the idea of team agreement, but it was more of the fact that he never did it, he didn't want to have yet another document, yet another meeting. Uh, When it was explained to him why we're doing this, why it's important, he agreed to participate and even had some saying and everything. I think important thing is, again, going to why. Like I'm a big fan of this Simon Sinek why Mm -hmm. (laughs) book and, and concept. If you understand why we're trying to do it. Even if you are not super enthusiastic about it because team is doing it and you are are part of the team, you want good for your team, you may agree and you just want to participate. But then uh, one important aspect of team agreement is that you can easily hold people accountable when they are not aligned with team agreements. And then that's signal that either is time for some conversation about it or change team agreement. which. Again, it is with within team agreement that it could be changed. Usually it's where a new person joins. That's you know, it's a good time to, ch- to change or to review basically team agreement. But sometimes something that we agree today. It's not valid in one quarter. Normally it starts with people breaking this team agreement or talking about this is, Hey, I think we not agree to this. So that's good um, tool to have these conversations. Not necessarily to just, again, holding people uh, accountable is another topic. Uh, But if you do it in the right way, it's a good tool to try to do it Hmm. if if a situation requires.
1: How would you differentiate what goes into the team agreement versus what you were calling commander intent? So like the main high-level why of what's going on?
0: That's a good question. Because in my team agreements, we actually put our company mission and our team mission. So that's reminder of commander intent. It's also important to, uh, when you try to delegate or try to task people with something like I'm not available 24 hours a day uh, around Mm. the clock. And if people have a challenge with decision, like to make decision, what I try to implement is this uh, chain of commander intent. So there's a. Company mission obviously it's vague enough because it's the bigger company, the the harder to relay with like very uh, grand decision they mm-hmm. making. But then there is like a business unit mission, and then they have your team mission or some statement that is so, somehow related to your daily work. And then if you have any problem with decision what should i do because i need this decision now and my manager is in in uk sleeping you try to take a look to your mission does it uh, especially like you can even create mission or goal for your quarter uh, and then goal for your sprint like the smallest piece of chunk and hmm. then it should influence your decision today with this small task does it contribute to my goals for sprint? Does it contribute to my mission for this quarter? Does it contribute to my mission for my team? And in some circumstances, maybe into company, especially if it's like a question of ethics. Answering your question, I put uh, our company mission and our team mission to team agreement because it's background. Team agreement should be like extension to this. It should not be like something against (laughs) our mission because that doesn't make sense,
1: right? Yeah. In terms of remote team dynamics, you've got a handful of quote unquote managers or coordinators in the middle and everybody around them and each one just doing their own little task Mm -hmm. versus an actual team where everybody's dynamically stepping up and helping each other out when needed. Do you think the team agreement is something that causes that kind of positive engagement or it would be something that would just be a almost a side effect in your teams
0: it depends on organizational culture so if you create new team and this team is made of people who already been around and it's just new function that you need to build new product or something like this it's Team agreement is going to be a reflection on how people work together, what they do usually, and and so on. So it's already embedded in the culture uh, of wider org. In my case, there is like acquisition and some new people coming, and you just mix with some like you know people who's been already around or people who just join, or you have brand new team. Like that's also something that I recently needed to do, like completely new team, and then. It's hard to pass culture, like how you teach culture, how you pass culture, in my opinion, is, is trying to create an environment, start with team agreement, how we operate and what we do, how we do. And then that helps with team dynamic. Again, like we start with blank uh, paper with company mission. I also copy something that we call core, core values, very specific to our business unit, our group and. That uh, is part of our culture, like who we are. is just five sentences. It's a uh, background, what we'll be doing in terms of team agreement, and mm-hmm. then how you help to build team dynamics.
1: This statement of five sentences, how did that come about? Was that something that came bottom up? Was it top down?
0: How, how did... Uh, so it was before my time in this okay. team, particular team. And mm-hmm. I believe it came from our leader, like so- someone who was the uh, founder, that then the whole company was bought by Cisco, et cetera. So I believe it was originally uh, from, from there. To- yes, yes. Interesting. Interesting. But then, if you are a startup, you have five people and you create this, it's kind of everyone's effort. <laughs> and then everyone else join is it's coming from up. But I guess at some points, it wasn't just like one person sit down and wrote it. And it's now you all 170 people will follow it. It was basically very organic. We meet, uh, we want to create something new. We create this uh, core values and then more people join. And then it's also your compass for hiring uh, or extending your team. If you don't agree, you probably should enjoy <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> this topic of culture
1: is absolutely critical and it's just yes. it's so hard to get yes. your hands on it uh, it's so uh tangible right yeah. yeah yeah let's start slowly wrapping up what do you think have been the biggest learnings for you since the since the pandemic
0: hit learning something that i call perspective i try to t- think about stoic philosophy have perspective work is important you should uh, love what you do you should do what you love but it's just work like there are other things important in life life itself and your family things that are more important for you uh, or should be more important for you try to name your values in your life, where the work is, where your family is and where everything else is. And then try to do this exercise of where you are in your life. (laughs) What do you want to do? 2020 just made it possible. With slowing down, we have a big forcing factor to start thinking about context that is outside of work and how work relates to life, how life should be basically your personal core values.
1: Yeah. 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 It's all been merged into one because it's all now happening in the same place. It's hard to not separate it. Is there anything in particular that you'd want our listeners to take a look at? Where can people reach you?
0: I, beginning of this year, fun enough, I mm, started my blog in English. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's Coffee Journeys blog. I did it for selfish reasons. I I wanted to be more efficient and more literate in uh, written English because my position changed and I'm a bullet guy. I'm a bullet guy. I can do everything, all emails in five bullet points. But sometimes it doesn't work. I started sharing my journey from a technical person to being in a leadership position and also i do it in the context of family i step up from engineer role to leadership role about the same time when i have had a first kid and then i noticed that there's a lot of overlap uh, between being parent and leader if people are interested there's a lot of stuff about remote work, how to help people in current situation. I had some mini series about how to write CV and how to perform well on, on interviews. Yeah. It's all about work, but also life work balance. It's, it's my blog. Okay.
1: In terms of social media, where can you be reached?
0: So I, I try to divorce from Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like what Mark is doing there and everything, but I'm quite active on Twitter. So it's at Piotr Zagorowski. And okay. My name's surname. Quite like it's short form. I can do it in, in short place. So yeah, it's public Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks.
1: I found this discussion to be immensely practical and helpful in terms of getting started uh, and thinking about culture explicitly as something which everyone can and should have the ability to influence. I think it's really helpful to set the context for everyone. And this makes a lot of things explicit, which is why it's so useful. If you are genuinely coming from the mindset that everyone is at work to get something out of it and that they're coming with their full selves to contribute. I think you end up getting a lot more done in a remote context as opposed to trying to muscle people into doing whatever it is that you've come up with. If you do try out a team agreement do let me know. I'd be curious to hear what your experiences are. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Align Remotely podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.